Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words that I am giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city gates. So the next um, Bible passage is Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 to 17. And on this Bible version, it's on page 1044. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ, to which you were also called in one body, rule your hearts and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Thanks very much, Deb. Uh, it's great to be with you here at Evening Church. My name is James, part of the team here. And we're coming to the end of our Words for Life series. We've learned a lot, haven't we, uh, about the way God speaks to us, God the Creator. We can't know him unless he reveals himself. But he has spoken in the Bible, uh, and the Bible can be trusted. Uh, it's sufficient, it's clear, it's uh, true. Uh, we've learned so much stuff. And last week we learned that God speaks so that he would give us life, new spiritual life, he would sustain our life, rule our life. And the question we're considering tonight is, what is the Bible for? We've learned so much about it. What, what do we do with it? What do we do with it? I think deep down, probably most of you know where we're heading. Uh, let me show you some suggestions that I'm not recommending. I'm not recommending uh, that we do that with it, use it as a doorstop. I don't think anyone would do that. I'm not suggesting you use it in this way, uh, cutting it out, cutting bits out and hiding contraband in it. Uh, you see that in the movies sometimes. And least of all, uh, I think the worst thing you could do is just to leave it on the shelf, uh, gathering dust and cobwebs. So what do we do with the Bible? On the one hand, the answer to that question is, is simple. If God the Creator has spoken, we listen and we tremble at His Word and we obey. James in the New Testament uh, says, don't just be hearers of the Word, but be doers. It's kind of obvious, isn't it? But I want us to think uh, in a bit, bit more detail, more concrete terms about what this would look like. What would it look like uh, in our day-to-day -day relationship with God's Word to, to be using it? The Bible actually contains lots of information, lots of data about how God's people use the Bible. So you go to the Bible and the Bible tells us how to use it. Uh, if we were to cover all the data in the Bible that addresses that, we'd be here a very long time. 
So I thought a helpful um, way to do that is to look at the different sort of categories and relationships that we might be using it. But as we come to that, as we come to the different ways and contexts we might use the Bible, I think it's important to remember about, uh, so I'll skip through his pictures again, the inevitability of influence. I think this is a human reality. We're changeable creatures. We're not like God. We're, we're open to influence from people around us, from the things we uh, read and consume through social media. Uh, we are open to influence more than you realise. Um, and more than that, because that's the case, you are capable of great influence. You'd be surprised about how much the things you do and say impact others. Human beings are just inevitably uh, creatures of influence, open to influence and capable of influence. This is a really important thing to remember as we come to using the Bible, and that'll become clear in a moment. In a Christian sense, there was a a guy called Martin Luther in the 16th century, uh, one of the reformers. He talks about how the Christians might have influence on one another, and he says this. So he's talking about where we get our name Christian from. He says, Surely we are named after Christ, not because he is absent from us, but because he dwells in us. That is, because we believe in him and are Christ's to one another. We are Christ's to one another and do to our neighbour as Christ does to us. I will therefore give myself as a Christ to my neighbour just as Christ offered himself to me. It's a pretty, pretty big call he makes, saying that we're like Jesus to one another. Now, he's not saying we're saviours, we don't have the same authority as Jesus, uh, but because God has given us his spirit and he's given us his word, we in, in God's plan for his people, you and I are the, the very means by which the truth and God's blessing flows onto his people. Uh, he uses people uh, to teach and bless one another. Um, he goes on, not only are we the freest of kings, we are also priests forever, which is far more excellent than being kings. For as priests, we are worthy to appear before God to pray for others and to teach one another divine things. Uh, Folks, as we approach this question tonight, uh, you must appreciate the influence you have with the Bible in your hand and with the Bible on your lips. Uh, It's astonishing. It's the way God's designed it uh, and uh, we've got an incredible opportunity to be Christ to one another as we bring the truth of Christ to those around us. Now, um, let's think about how how we're going to sort of unpack this. Um, As I said, uh, there's different categories. I'm going to start with the diagram that I started with last week. You might remember there's God. He he speaks his word to bring us life, uh, which brings us into relationship with himself. And and there's a a smaller version uh, just to fit on on the slide. And we find ourselves in all these uh, relationships and, and groups in life that we can be speaking God's word to one another. And as we open the Bible, we see that that's what happens. So we're, we're going to spend the bulk of our time just going through five spheres of life, five contexts we find ourselves in, and think about how should we be using God's word in those contexts. One or two of these might resonate with you more than others, depending on your stage of life and, and what have you. 
um, but that's okay. I think there'll be something for everyone. So, in the first instance, uh, God speaks to us as individuals, uh, and we want to read it. If God has spoken, we want to read his word, be transformed by it, and sustained by it. Now, that's something we, we do as, we can do as individuals. Uh, in the Bible, often the word meditation is used to talk about personal Bible reading. Maybe you've heard things like uh, devotions or, or quiet time or, or something like that. Um, this is from Psalm 1. It's talking about the, the person of God who isn't influenced by the wicked, but instead, verse 2, his delight is in the Lord's instruction and he meditates on it day and night. Here's a picture of someone that is immersed in God's word. So the instruction there, that's a, that's a term just describing the, the scriptures that this person would have had available to them, the, you know, the Old Testament at that stage. Uh, and they're meditating on it day and night, regularly. And meditation is, is not probably what you think. Uh, we might think of meditation as breathing exercises or... Um, something you've seen in an Asian or, or Buddhist sort of context. Uh, but m- meditation in the Bible uh, is not about emptying our minds, it's about filling our minds. T- reading God's Word, tossing it over in our minds, wrestling with it, chewing on it, uh, exploring the implications of it so that God's truth would sink deep into us and, and change our hearts, captivate us. That's something that only comes as we read it and, and read it carefully. It's so easy, isn't it? And I put myself in this category to think of personal Bible reading as, as, a, as a task, just to be ticked off. Now, if, if that's all you do, if you open the Word and you read it, um, it's still a wonderful thing. But I think we benefit most when we slow down, read carefully, think about what we're reading and, and what it has to say to us, praying, praying in response to it. Can I ask, do you have a, a plan for reading the Bible for yourself? Different people will do different things. That's okay. I know I'm aware of some of you listening to certain podcasts where the Bible's read and discussed. Some of you might read on your commute into uni or work. Um, some of you might just listen to the Bible, an audio Bible. Uh, there's no, uh, I'm not going to endorse one method or another, uh, and different people will find different approaches, uh, better or worse. Um, Life's busy. We've got information coming at us uh, all the time, but don't overlook this example from the scriptures. God's people uh, meditate on his word day and night. And it makes sense. If the Lord Almighty has spoken words of life that can be trusted, well, we want to read it. We want to read it. What's your plan for doing that? Let's move on. Uh, We also see the Bible being spoken and shared amongst generations. So this was the Deuteronomy reading. Uh, Deuteronomy comes after God's people have left Egypt. They've wandered around the desert. They're about to enter the promised land. And Moses is summarizing um, the laws that have been given. And he says, these words that I'm giving to you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand 
and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorsteps of your house and on your, and your, on your city gates. There's a picture here of one generation sharing God's word with the next generation. Now, I know we're, you, you might not have children. We're all in different stages of life. It's, it's fantastic that some of you are involved in uh, speaking God's words to the next generation in youth or children's ministry. Um, this is a picture of God's word just being liberally spoken in all of life. Um, you see there, when we, you're in your house, when you walk along the road, bind it on your hand. You don't, you don't ever want to be apart from God's word. You want it available to you all the time. Um, some devout Jewish people um, took these words quite literally and uh, they've got customs where they put boxes of bits of paper on their head and on their arms. Now, I'm not denigrating this gentleman. He's probably more devout than most of us. Um, some of you might put cross stitches in your, in your hallway, the, the proverbial doorpost. I'm not opposed to that. Uh, but this is what we see in Deuteronomy is much bigger than that. Um, much, much bigger than that. Um, now, I'm, I'm reluctant to speak to, to people that um, have family practices because I know that's not the, the primary demographic of this congregation. But I do want to urge you, as you approach adulthood and, and perhaps a time in your life where uh, you're responsible for raising children, make this your number one priority. Um, parent, parental responsibility is significant. Uh, we can't just outsource the teaching of our children to youth group and kids' church. The, parents, the job of parents in God's economy is to be teaching their children about who he is and what he's done. Um, that comes with heartache uh, as we feel guilt that we're not doing well enough and comes with frustration perhaps. Uh, there may be people in this room who've done this with their children and yet as they've grown up into teenagers and adults, they've not continued with Christ. And you think, how does that work? I've, I've, I've made an effort and yet here my adult child isn't following Jesus. That's, that's really hard. Uh, it's not an A to B relationship. Uh, there's much more that could be said about that. But um, hear God's instruction to pass on his words to the next generation. Um, we're going to keep moving. This is a great, great sphere of influence. You notice how the Bible is always talking about one another? Teach one another. Encourage one another. Speak to one another, admonish one another. Uh, it comes up a lot, doesn't it? So beyond the individual, beyond the intergenerational or perhaps family unit, there's a general appeal to be speaking God's words to one another. This is what we read in Colossians. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you. That's talking about a group. It's not saying let the word of Christ dwell in you as an individual. It's talking about let, letting the word of Christ dwell richly, in, in other words, abundantly, amongst us, uh, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns and spiritual songs, sing to God with gratitude in your hearts. I think the church meetings back then, there was just loads more singing. That's the impression I get. Um, that was a way of, in their culture, memorising and passing on truth. Uh, but uh, do you see how we're all intimately involved in sharing God's word with one another? And there's loads of ways that can happen in our context. 
It's about having spiritually meaningful conversations with one another after church. Uh, we feel, maybe we feel awkward about that, um, but let's, let's just get over it. So what's one thing you got out of that sermon tonight? Um, we can do it in smaller groups. I'm aware of people in this congregation that have WhatsApp groups and messenger groups where they just uh, talk about what they're reading, encouraging one another. You can do it one-to-one. I know of other people in this congregation that have been reading the Bible together for a long time. They've got into a great habit, and I imagine it's a tremendous blessing to them. Uh, some of you are in midweek growth groups or greenhouse groups. There is, there is loads of different ways we can be sharing God's Word with one another. Um, I catch up with a fellow about once a fortnight, and it is without doubt one of the highlights of my, my role. Um, we initially started meeting uh, due to a certain circumstance that arose and we thought it would be good to catch up. Uh, it's not always the same time. Uh, our work schedules differ and we need to be flexible. But it's just fantastic. It is absolutely a joy to catch up with another Christian uh, and support one another and open God's word. Um, I can't commend this practice to you enough. At the start, we focused on life updates and just talking about, you know, some difficult circumstances that were happening. But over time, we've run out of updates because not everything, there's not much that changes in a fortnight. And so we're just like, well, let's just read the next part of the Bible we're up to. Um, it's, this whole approach, let me say, is pretty straightforward. We just read the next section of the book that we're working through. And we don't worry so much about the length of the, the, the passage we're doing. Uh, we just open it up and read it and talk about it. It's achievable. Uh, we don't stress about things that we don't understand. Um, we accept that there's things that are really confronting. There's things that seem weird. Uh, but all, all we're doing is sitting down and reading together and discussing it. It's always relevant You'd be surprised uh, that if you just open the Bible to, to a passage, work through the Bible, you'd be, well, sure you wouldn't be surprised, but uh, you would be uh, reminded that God's Word is relevant to us. Every passage we read, and we've read things from the Old and the New Testament, it has something to say to us about what it's like to live as a Christian in Australia in the 21st century. Um, and can I say, I don't think it's because... Um, I'm uh, sort of in ministry that we get stuff out of it. I think it's basically because we can both read that it's valuable. Um, and it's always encouraging. We learn that we're going through similar struggles. We're learning that God wants to motivate us to live a godly life the same way for each of us with the, the hope and promises of the gospel. It's just a wonderful, it's a wonderful time in my week. Uh, so don't dismiss the value of getting together with other believers and speaking God's words to each other, reading and discussing. Uh, it can take different forms, but it is a tremendous gift. All right, fourth sphere. Remember, we're, what we're doing is we're talking about the way the Bible describes God's people using the Bible and, and happens in different relationships and different settings. And this fourth one is our gatherings. That's, I'm stating the obvious here, uh, but you, 
You notice Paul, when he speaks to Timothy, that's what he says. He says, this is what you're meant to do. Until I come, give your attention to public reading, exhortation and teaching. And 2 Timothy 4, which comes just after those famous verses in 3, 16 to 17, he says, um, verse 2 there, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, correct, rebuke and encourage with great patience and teaching. This is why when you come to church, God's word is central. We try and sing songs that are based on God's word and teach God's word. We always have the Bible read. Uh, we always have sermons. Uh, maybe uh, you, in your heart of hearts, you would like our church gatherings to look slightly different. Maybe it, it's mentally taxing. Uh, there's other things you'd like to include, but we have God's word central in our gatherings because that's what the Bible tells us to do. And, and if God has spoken, why would you do anything else? Um, we are a word-based faith. Uh, do you know, in, a few hundred years ago, when they had the Reformation, churches in the, in, on the Protestant side, the one that split off from the Catholic side, actually changed their architecture in their churches. It used to be that the communion table was at the front and centre of the church, because for them, the the, what they call the Mass or what we call the Lord's Supper was like the centre of church. Um, it was a big visual ceremonial sort of moment where they kind of re-sacrifice Jesus using the, the bread and the wine. Uh, but when the Reformation happened, we changed, architecture changed. So instead of the communion table being at the front, it's the pulpit or the lectern because God's word is central. Um, I'm very thankful that here we have a church where we don't have to argue and fight with people to, to make God's word central. That's not automatic. Some churches aren't like that. So I'm, I'm grateful to all of you for bearing with us uh, and being like-minded insofar as we, we open the word. We, we read it and we have sermons. All right. Lastly, um, the same word that Christians share with one another is what we're to take to the world. It's not like there's two separate activities uh, where Christians are over here discussing God's word and our outreach is over here. No, it's, it's all of a one, one piece. God has spoken and we share it with one another and we take it to the world. There's lots of New Testament passages that talk about this. This is Jesus uh, commissioning the disciples. He says, Go, make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them, teaching them, that's, that's a word-based activity, to observe, excuse me, to observe everything I've commanded you. And remember, I'm with you always to the end of the age. This is why we have our Connect strategy uh, that we've talked about recently, the lifeboat lists, so that we can get God's word to people so that they would be saved. So there's lots of different ways God's people share God's word. Um, as we wrap up, I just want to touch on this phrase for a moment. I'm sure you've heard the phrase, all or nothing. Maybe in some uh, enterprise or at school, someone said to you, oh, well, if you can't do it properly, don't do it at all. It's all or nothing. Uh, and I think sometimes we can feel like that when it comes to using the Bible. We feel like we're ill-equipped to open and read it. Maybe we're not confident in our ability to understand it or to speak about it with others. Maybe it feels just 
we don't have the time. It's, uh, my sense is that it's, our default is to come to church, listen to a sermon, which is obviously important, but then during the week, oh, it's too hard. I can't be all in, so I'm not going to bother. Um, but I don't think that's the right attitude, uh, however you feel. I think a better attitude is all or something. Uh, all or something. There's a great ad that's been on TV this year, uh, which is clever. It's about physical health, but uh, I think it could equally applicable to spiritual health and the way we think about the Bible. I'm going to play the ad now, and then uh, I'll say a few more things. Oh, too late for the jam. Nah, come on. you got time. Ash Barty? All or something. Don't you mean all or nothing? No. Steph Gilmore? All or something. But it's... All or something. I'll have the ribeye. Chips or salad? Uh, salad, salad, salad. Cheers. something, hey? Hey, oh, yeah. All or something. Something. Search AIA Insurance. I like that ad. It's good. Um, but it, it's obviously conveying the importance of doing something to uh, advance our physical health, uh, which is good. But if God has spoken, the Almighty Creator has spoken, we have His Word in our hands. My encouragement to you is to work out what your something is. Um, coming to church and hearing the Bible read and taught is excellent. Uh, being in some kind of midweek or, or youth ministry program is excellent. But what's your something? Uh, maybe uh, you can commit to just listening to the Bible being read as you commute to uni or work. Maybe you're a, a tired and stressed uh, full-time worker, but you have resolved that the growth group in the middle of the week is your immovable priority, no matter how you feel. In fact, even if you feel tired and unmotivated. Uh, maybe, maybe you are a parent of young or older children and you leave your Bible uh, on the dining table so that it reminds you. When we have dinner together, I'm just going to open it, read a few sentences and ask one question. What, what did you find interesting? Um, maybe you can set up a WhatsApp or Messenger group with some friends and just once, once a week send one message. Hey, I've been reading this this week. I noticed this. What do you reckon? What is your something? Folks, as we come to the end of this series, uh, I've, I've been just so encouraged to remember what we have in our hands. We have God spoken to us, his, his word, his word that can be trusted and which brings us life. Uh, and with the word in our hands and on our lips, we can have immense influence, not only on ourselves, but on others. So why don't we pray that that would be the case? Heavenly Father, we thank you for speaking. Thank you for revealing yourself 
making yourself known and, and giving us words that give us new spiritual life, sustain us, uh, rule us and, and ultimately save us for eternity. Help us to love your word. Help us to be diligent uh, in, in reading it and using it with others. Uh, we forgive us of the times that we haven't really done that or we've um, dismissed it and grow, grow in us new desires and new habits where your word is central. And we pray for help in Jesus' name. Amen.